The reading today is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. Uh, if you'd like to follow along, feel free to do so in the bulletin on page 6. I will remember the kindnesses of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things He has done for the house of Israel, according to His compassion and abundant kindnesses. For He said, Surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so He became their Savior. In all their distress, He too was distressed. And the angel of His presence saved them. In His love and mercy, He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Let's pray together. God, we ask that you would bless this time in your word, that you would uh, cause the grace of God to come alive in our hearts in a changing way. God, we don't want to waste our time, and we know that you don't want to waste our time, and we know we won't waste our time if your Spirit is present. And so please come and speak to us. Uh, And we pray for the simplicity of your Word to penetrate our hearts and our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. just want to share with you a few brief meditations from this great passage found in the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 63. You heard the words read earlier, or just a second ago, and it touches on one of the great themes of faith in the Bible, and that is the theme of remembering, a call to remember the blessings of God. An invitation, even a command, an injunction to recall all that God has done for you, for us, and all that God has been for you and for us. The prophet says, I will remember the kindnesses of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has done for us. The word used here in verse 7, I will remember, is a Hebrew word that means remember, profound, (laughs) but not in a simple sense of just bringing something to mind. There's a deeper sense of, of, of drawing it up into your mind in a way that it sinks back into your heart. There's another word that's not used here, but that's often used in parallel in the Old Testament that talks about reminding ourselves of the things that God has done, or even enumerating or counting and recounting the kindness and the kindnesses of God, keeping it fresh in our hearts. In other words, friends, is it immediate in your mind and in your heart? Soft and fresh and alive, the things that God has done for you lately. Do you carry that around? Because do you understand if you do, it would change your life. It would make you a more grateful person. It would make you a more humble person. Because if you start to know that almost everything in your life is a gift, 
You would rejoice. And you would know that you would die without the one who has provided so much to you, the God of grace. Time and again in the Old Testament, the Lord calls out to his people and he says, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget all that I have done for you. Tell about it to your children. Tell stories about my faithfulness. Speak to one another with testimonies about my greatness of my grace in your life. Are you doing that today, dear friends? Are you good at gossiping about the goodness of God in your life? Where your friends are turning to you and saying, you know, you always seem to be sharing fresh stories about what God is doing in your life and indeed in the world. Notice this peculiar thing here, though. The prophet says, I will remember the kindnesses of the Lord. First of all, kindness doesn't mean niceness. It's not just saying I'm remembering the ways that God has just sort of done these nice things to make my life a little bit more manageable. All these things that God has done that sort of been the cherry on top of the great Sunday of life that he's given me. No, this word actually translates one of the most important words in the entire Old Testament, the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. It refers to covenant kindness. It means faithful love, loyal love. It's uh, I'm yours in sickness and in health, in for richer or for poorer, till death do us part love that comes straight from the heart of God. Do you know a God who gives himself to you like that? With that kind of firmness of commitment. A promise-keeping love. A God who puts himself on the line and who says, I will never fall short. I will never flake out. I will never break a promise I've made to you. Do you know a God like that? This is the kind of God that we're invited to remember. This is the kind of kindness, not niceness, but hesed kindness that we're invited to remember today. And notice that the kindness word here is written out in the plural, kindnesses. That's not a typo and that's not a mistake because the word is actually plural. And in fact, every word in that first sentence, just about, is plural. I will remember the kindnesses, the many kindnesses of the Lord, the praises, all the reasons why I should give Him praise according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things, plural again, that He has done for the house of Israel according to His compassions. It's actually plural in the original language there. All the compassions, the manifestations of the mercy of God and the abundant kindnesses of God. And here's what's going on. Can we sit on this for just a second? The passage is inviting us to remember, to recall, to keep fresh in our hearts, to count, to enumerate, to number, not just the love and kindness of God in the abstract. 
Not just, oh, God has been good to me in a general and vague way that sort of escapes me. This passage is inviting us to count and recount specific, tangible, concrete, even measurable evidence of God's goodness and care in your life. Have you done that lately, dear friends? Where you are literally listing out in detailed fashion specific incidences when Hesed shows up. And should we not do that as a church? As you do that in your life, and as I wrestle to do that in my life individually, to do that as a church, to remember the Hesed's, the kindnesses of God, as we're in transition. I've hesitated over the last several weeks of sort of being overly dramatic with these sort of slogans of, this is not just a, uh, this is not just a physical move, this is a grand reopening. Uh, you know, this, this is not just uh, moving to another location, this is a new home, this is a new beginning. But it's true. We're packing up our stuff, we're going to a new place, And dear friends, who knows what God is going to do from here? I mean, who knows what God is going to do with this community here? Who knows what God is going to do in this neighborhood? Who who knows? And I don't mean that again in just dramatic fashion. Our God is a God who can do the impossible. He can do anything he wants. So who knows? Do you have that kind of expectation of how God might work in your life. Maybe you're running up against barriers and limitations today. Maybe there's an area of character in your life where you have said, I have tried and tried to change and it just ain't happening. Maybe God's going to make a breakthrough in your life sometime soon. Maybe there's a way in which our church has been aspiring to be the sort of church in the neighborhood that we've aspired to be. Building a community that is intentionally, spiritually diverse, cross-cultural, neighborhood-centered for the good of our neighbors and the glory of Jesus Christ right here in this neighborhood. Ways in which maybe we just haven't been able to blossom and flourish that God might now give us opportunity to do just that. Maybe relationships in our community that are getting old and stale that God wants to refresh and maybe that starts with somebody needing to ask for forgiveness or to repent for ways that you have wronged one another because that's the sort of authentic community we want to be maybe it's a new level of engagement with our local neighbors diving into each other's lives not from an arm's distance and not just from sidewalk level but in our homes on our couches in our hearts who knows what the lord might do And so as we're on this precipice of this new era, this new chapter of the story that God is writing at Grace Meridian Hill and here in this neighborhood, is it not right for us then to pause and to remember the kindnesses of God to Grace Meridian Hill? Hallelujah. God has been good to us. I have a lot of friends who are trying to do what we're doing. A lot of people in ministry, pastors, different people that 
are in the process of starting up ministries, starting up churches just like ours in different neighborhoods all over the country, who are going through different struggles similar to struggles that we have faced, different from struggles that we haven't faced. In any case, it is clear as I look around and I see what God has done here, it's a remarkable thing. It really is. And that's not to say that our ministry success is to be measured in terms of fireworks and visible stuff. We're going to get to that in a second. But just that we can say people's lives are being changed. I know mine is as I walk with Jesus together with you. That people actually are finding friendship in our community for some Friendship that they've never had, but always longed for. The people are sharing, they have with me at least, and I hope you've experienced this yourself, things in their lives and struggles that they have never shared with, with other people in a church before. And here's the irony, because sometimes it can be the hardest to be real and true about yourself with people in church. And to find that kind of honesty here, which is not just because we're venting and not just because it's in the cultural waters of today, but because the grace of God gives us freedom to be the mess and the wreck that we really are. Hallelujah. God is doing something in your lives. God has actually brought a number of people in the last couple of years in our church through your relationships to Jesus for the first time. The joy that we've had to baptize Dear brothers and sisters here on this side and back over there when we were facing the opposite direction. Speaking of, it wasn't that long ago. Just three years ago when we opened up shop here. Doing our thing here for the first time. Maybe about 60 people showing up on that hot June morning. It was hot that day. Some of you were here. I was sweating like bullets. That don't matter. I sweat even when it's cold. (laughs) We called it an open house Sunday because we wanted to do our best to make sure that this community was accessible and helpful to people who were even resistant to the Christian faith or who didn't know where to start with the Christian faith. Open House Sundays. I remember right here in this room, the first Sunday worship service that we had, even before that, the first time we brought in this great music band, leading us in singing the energy that we had, the standing room only situation we had, people in the hallways rolling out, rolling chairs from all different rooms here in this building. You might have been here. I remember the first membership meeting we had right in this room as well. About 12 people that came in expressing an interest in becoming members. The first cross-cultural roundtable that we had on a Friday night a couple months in where we put post-it notes along this wall answering questions like, how would you describe your ethnic and cultural identity? What are some fears that you have about conversations about race and culture? Things that you are too afraid to say in public, but where we want you to feel free to say here in this community. Remember having this chance to... Uh, come on a Sunday morning, one Christmas, maybe two years ago, and find that the doors were locked. Couldn't get in. Banging on the doors, circling around, running around like crazy, still couldn't get in. And so we just had Sunday worship service right out here on the sidewalk. How many of you were here for that? Lots of fun. Hope it never happens again. (laughs) Tradition. We'll do it every year. 
Love seeing the kids from the neighborhood trickling into not only our worship services, but into our lives and our neighborhood, into our living rooms. Hearing testimonies of people who are getting to know the Lord in a new and fresh way. What's a story that you can tell this week, friends? Of the kindnesses of God in your life. What's a story that you can tell that you have noticed that maybe someone else hasn't in your neighborhood group or in our Sunday ministry, maybe just in an experience you had with a friend over coffee, of the kindnesses of God here in this community, in this church. To share it, to relive it, to talk about the chesed's of the Lord together, to remember. And specifically, this passage reminds us to remember the kindnesses of the Lord found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Specifically in the backdrop of this passage in Isaiah is the story of God's deliverance of the Israelites enslaved by Pharaoh. We sang about it in one of our songs earlier. That's what the prophet often refers to as the days of old, that phrase you find at the end of the passage. Code for the greatest event in Israel's history, Moses coming in and delivering the people by the power of God, facing the Red Sea where God parts the sea, brings his people out of bondage into freedom, into the wilderness where he refines their trust in them, where they fail and they stand up and they fail again. And God shows himself. We see this again and again and again played out in the lives of people who have followed God for many generations. In verse 11, we hear these words, the days of old are the days of Moses and his people when God brought them out of the Red Sea. You see, the kindnesses of God, the praises of God, the abundant mercies of God, the compassions of God that the prophet most has his mind lingering over is the great liberation of God's people from oppression. The chesed of God seen concretely in the Israelites being set free, which all throughout the New Testament were pointed to understand as being a foreshadowing of the perfect redemption and salvation that would be brought about in the Messiah, Jesus. In verse 8, we see these words, Surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their Savior. A promise here of a God who would belong to us in a way where we would be called my people. He would possess us as those who belong to him. Where he would refer to us as his children, he would be a father unto us. He would know us as children who would be true to me, even though we know the story of that is that we would not be true to him. We're full of sin and selfishness treacherous and unfaithful to him, it's a story of grace that he would still continue in this relationship with us. And so he became our Savior. 
In verse 9, in all their distress, he too was distressed, which of course is the story of the incarnation of God. God becoming a human being just like us. God identifying with our struggles, our pains, our suffering, our grief, our sin. God who came as a human being that he might live and walk and talk as a human being and therefore die as a human being and suffer the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin and selfishness that he might forgive us and love us and call us his own. This is what he did in Jesus. This is what he did in his hesed love on the cross. Setting us free, not from the slavery and oppression of Pharaoh, but from the slavery and oppression of sin. Which then means that this passage ultimately is an invitation to remember what? The kindnesses of God. The concrete evidences of the love of God given to you in the cross of Christ. Do you know the mercy of God in Jesus, friends, in a specific, detailed, tangible, this is how it shows up in my life. These are the specific sins I know He has forgiven. This is grace He has given me to change. This is the way the love, the adopting love of my Father has freed me not to live in fear, but to love others, to work in my daily work with freedom and purpose. Can you today enumerate, count, and recount the blessings of the cross in your life? Because this is the greatest Hesed that God has poured out into our life. And this is something that our church does need to cling to, dear friends. Because we're not promised as a church, we're not promised by God that we will enjoy visible successes in every way all the time. That we will not be a church that banks on only trusting in God's goodness when we can see it right in front of us. Or that we will only believe that God has been faithful to Grace Meridian Hill when the church is growing numerically or flourishing energetically. We're hoping that will happen and we will labor to that end. But where do we see the kindness of God most clearly? It's in the cross. And where do we need to anchor deeply the praises of our church? Our estimation of the character of God the most. Where do we need to draw our contentment and our confidence in God the most as a church? Not our visible successes but from the visible mercy of God given to us in the cross of Jesus Christ, told to us in the Word of God. And then we're going to be okay. Because a lot of things can change, friends. 
We're moving to a great space. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. That is a literal truth. How long will we be in that building? We don't know. How will things work out? We don't know. Will we grow? Will we shrink? We don't know. Will the preacher keep on preaching the good news of the gospel? Let's hope so. (laughs) All these things we will long for, we will pray for, we will labor for. But in a broken, fallen, changing world, dear friends, there is only one thing that doesn't change, and His name is Jesus. There's only one thing that we can bank on and anchor our lives in, and His name is Jesus. There's only one thing about the future of this church's legacy and history and story that we can say is fixed and in place, and His name is Jesus. So here we go. A new era. A new beginning. A new home. A grand reopening. There's nothing new about the grace of Jesus that has been old in its fresh goodness and kindness and steadiness. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who will be poured out upon us in freshness, and we have every reason to be expectant and joyful and eager to see what God is going to do. Are you ready? Are you ready? So here's your homework. Here's your homework as you go from this place. How can we apply this? In the next day, in the next week, list out, and you might even get pen and paper and write it down, list ten kindnesses, concrete, tangible evidences of God's love, His hesed, in your life. Count them. Remember them. Tell them to one another. Secondly, ten kindnesses, ten tangible, concrete, practical, there it is, evidences of God's kindness, His love, His mercy to our church. What have you seen? What have you noticed? What have you enjoyed? What have you prayed for and seen God respond to? And lastly, And maybe most importantly, savor it in your heart. Ten kindnesses that you know in the cross of Jesus. Not just what He's done for you today, showing up in your life today, and not just what He's done for our church over the last couple of years. But what has He done for you in Jesus? Living for you and dying for you and rising again for you. Count them. Recount them. Remember the kindnesses of the Lord. Let's pray. We need this reminder, God, because we tend to be forgetful. Even worse, we tend to be ungrateful. But by your Spirit, you do give us grace to remember. And so we pray that you would give us the joy, because it is a joy, to recall all the great things that you have done in our lives, in our church, and most especially on the cross. We give ourselves to you, and we're we're giving ourselves to you as an offering, God. This church that belongs to you, this church that wants to reflect you in our neighborhood, 
through our lives and through our corporate community. God, we pray your blessing upon all that we are and all that we do. Here we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. Let's sing to the Lord and let's remember this Jesus together.